Hey YouTube, it's Dimitri, and today we are going to talk about a book review, and I don't typically review books that aren't textbooks, so today we are going to talk about Operation Paperclip, a little bit of the moral dilemma and the ethics here. Uh, it's by Annie Jacobson. I highly recommend it. Um, I would give it a five-star review. I don't read a lot of these uh, like paperback gimmicky books that mass produce, um, but this one really hit home for me uh, coming into science here. So that is kind of the review here without the spoiler. Let me just talk a little bit about the book and how this relates into quant finance as an industry as a whole here. So the book itself is about uh, the United States, UK, and Russia after World War, after ending it here as the Allies, uh, coming in and kind of fighting over and trying to pull out uh, scientists and doctors. And the issue with this is that these doctors are pulling out and these scientists committed horrible crimes. And so... The dilemma here is, do they add value to society? Um, again, the United States is space program, so fitting here. I'm wearing my NASA shirt. Uh, again, the first director of the Kennedy Space Center, many of the scientists that got us into, I think it's like the Saturn and Apollos, they were Nazis, right? And from looking at the evidence in the book, and again, a lot of this is still classified, and it's not even available publicly, I don't believe even in today in 2023, they committed terrible crimes and deserve the death penalty for these crimes. And so as you read through the book, you're weighing on this dilemma that like the United States government's trying to bring them in. They're trying to use part of this excuse in the sense that we are going to have a Cold War with Russia. So when the Cold War came, uh, Russia was building up in an attempt uh, more or less to maybe start another war. And so the United States is trying to gather resources and, you know, weaponry. And a lot of this is all coming around the science piece of this. It's a science breakthrough. Uh, there's like chemical warfare that's going on. There's medical research doing it going on on how do we save people, uh, diseases, how do you spread diseases as warfare. It's getting pretty, like, the book provides you some interesting details and facts on this. And so you have to start thinking about this now, not even from a societal standpoint. Because you think about it from a societal standpoint, you, okay, these people, yes, they're very smart. Uh, yes, looking back now, some of them provided great value. Um, it helped us get, you know, to the moon and it helped with the NASA launch program and a whole bunch of those sorts of things here. And that's a good value in science. But the thing is, they already committed the crimes and they should have paid the price, which was the death penalty for most of them. Now, the issue with this, though, is now looking back is that the United States government got involved. If now there's a war going on, if that war ends up in a bunch of deaths in the United States, you know, how do we tactfully go about, you know, getting the science here, developing the science? A lot of this horrible research is already conducted in itself. So, you know, I feel like in a way we should collect at least what they already did so we can learn from it. So it doesn't necessarily like, you know, deaths just for the sake of deaths, even though they were deaths for the sake of deaths. Like there's terrible things were done in this. There's no arguing of that. And so as I read the book, for part of me, it's just really tearing me apart in the fact that I, I'm a scientist. Like, I feel like a scientist. That's what I most identify with here, my identity politics. Uh, but I'm a scientist. And so as you're reading the book, I'm like, oh, I feel bad, you know, for these scientists. And they're trying to get visas and trying to get to the United States. And then they're having to do screenings. And then they start talking about the actual crimes they committed and the people they killed. And you're like, oh, they're terrible people. And so you're stuck in this kind of, you know, quandary here where you're being torn into two parts of like I, I get the science piece and many scientists overlook the fact that they committed all these crimes but the crimes themselves were horrible horrible crimes and a lot of it even it was part of the research process they weren't following uh, ethical standards for doing medical research or military research or any of that and so 
the book itself, I, it's hard for me to even come to a conclusion now. It's like, obviously, they should have had the death penalty. I get that. That is, I think, where we should have gone with this. But then if you're in a situation as well as a country where you're fearing for your safety of another country, so if we would have had to gone to another third world war with Russia, uh, you know, does it justify keeping a few of them around? And as you read the book, many of them, which we thought were, you know, top scientists turned out to be hacks and frauds. And then it's just this weird political dynamic going through the book. Anyways, I recommend the book just because... I think it really puts a strong ethical dilemma in place. It makes you really think about it. I don't think there's, I don't know. It's hard for me to come through the tuition of what should and shouldn't have been done. And if they filter them and how they were tried. And I say this because it seems like some of these individuals that got pushed through the system who went to court and served time, um, which were just really tiny sentences in comparison to the atrocious things that it seems like they've done. Again, they, the governments had some sort of strings pulled here. Some things were done. They didn't actually serve, I, from my perspective, like they didn't serve actual trials. Like a lot of these individuals were marked. They were going to be put into Operation Paperclip. They were going to be taken by the government. And they were not given actual trials. They were given easy trials and cop-outs to kind of save them for government purposes here. But then again, there's the whole argument of perhaps you needed some of them because they ended up, you know, preventing the Cold War, perhaps. But then as you're reading through, she's mentioning in some of the evidence in the end of the book, uh, it seems like we were kind of overestimating Russia. Maybe we were, maybe we weren't. I don't know. It's the book itself just provides you a bunch of documents and facts and kind of talks through the history of it. And so it really does make you think on this. So how does this tie into quant finance here? Um, So I'm rereading again, um, my life as a quant by Emmanuel Derman. It's one of my favorite books, just because it's quant finance related. Um, it's Emmanuel Derman's life and, you know, how he got through this. But at the beginning, he's talking about essentially the United States stepping back from science. So once we had uh, World War II, we had this big Operation Paperclip, this big push for governmental research. Um, Nixon said we needed to get rid of the chemical warfare. So President Nixon uh, said we needed to get rid of all these gases and stuff. It's just we're not doing this. It's inhumane, which is part of this. And then science in itself starts to die out a bit. Um, There's also an interview, so I'll try to link all these below, uh, with Eric Weinstein, whether you like him or not. Uh, He talks about a little bit in here on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, about this, that there's like this massive funding of government scientific research, and then it falls off. And since that funding has fell off, we don't see a lot of, you know, breakthroughs in physics, for example. And we see kind of a one-track ideology in the physics world. We're not deviating out from this. We're not challenging the world around us and challenging the theories. And my life as a quant comes into this because Emmanuel Derwin kind of mentions somewhat the same issue here where we're seeing programs tailing off here. And as they're tailing off, the physicists have nowhere to go. And so these physicists ended up getting pushed in many cases into quant finance because who needs a physicist, right? Quant finance can use them, but there's not a lot of industries where you can like take, you know, mathematically trained physicists with the, you know, all the training and stuff and the programming and all their skills they have and find something that they can do that they'll enjoy that they can add value at with a physics background here. So the timing, the history piece of it, the discussion of World War II, the Cold War, and then really reading into, you know, my life as a quant and seeing how these things are kind of playing into it, as well as, you know, the Eric Weinstein interview of his discussion of this as well, it starts to bring up the question of should we be funding science more so? And I'm going to phrase a question here towards the end, which is, you know, should we be funding more research at firms? 
And this is where my conundrum happens as a quant, which is when you get hired as a quant, your job is to do something. So make some sort of strategy, solve some sort of problem to make money for the business. That's what you're getting paid to do. However, the issue is as a firm, you get an edge when you can do something that no one else can do. You have a new theory, a new strategy, um, some sort of new model or mathematics that solves some sort of problem faster or easier. Maybe it's an unsolved problem. And, you know, how much should firms be investing in actual research? Banks don't invest a ton in it. There's not a lot of training in it. Uh, Many hedge funds, many fintech firms, there's just not a lot of investment in the scientific pursuit here. Um, Academia as a whole, I feel, is just shattered into brokenness of it just doesn't function very well anymore. Um, And you have this obviously this divide here between industry and academia, where even if academia had the best and the brightest and they had all the time in the world to do this, they don't have the data and the real world problems to structure this. And that's what the firms have. The firms have the real data and the structure and it's proprietary and that's what gives them an edge to make money. So there's not a lot of incentive for them to share it back into academia. Now, academia often comes with overly simplified processes and solutions to problems that aren't really problems. And so they need the industry to do this. I don't know how you solve this. I would love to see, you know, even my team today, teams I've worked out in the past, I would love to see more emphasis on research for the sake of research. Now, it needs to be somewhat related to the business, so the business could potentially, you know, advance from it because you're paying them. But then it's the question here is, do we need government to fund science? And I'm not a fan of government in general, as most people know here. I'm a fan of small government. How do we make it smaller? Um, But the other you know, economic question is, is the U.S. government or governments in general collect tax from the employees or from the citizens of the country there. And they're going to use those tax to do things, whether it's provide health care, build roads, uh, you know, know, pay all the people in the politics system. Like we use the tax dollars to purchase things to keep the government running Uh, and financing and quantitative using all other nonsensical uses of dollars here. But the question is, is how many of those dollars should we be using for scientific pursuits? I think we should be using more tax dollars and educational purposes, uh, regardless if it's things that are, you know, beneficial to the government as well. So, you know, military research. Uh, I also think, though, things like physics, things like mathematics, um, biology, chemistry, like a lot of these traditional sciences as well, we could benefit from them both in industry and in government by doing more research. And I think the issue here is that government actually plays a part in the sense that we need to invest more in science, less in social systems, uh, but more in science because science and technology is what advances economic systems. It's not population growth because that doesn't change the GDP per person. Uh, Again, quantitative easing, spending money, money velocity, all these nonsensical ideas, they do not make GDP grow. They don't make the GDP per person grow. They don't make you better off with better living standards. Um, And we need more science and technology. I think that's the key for growing good governments. Now, again, the debate should not be, should we do it or not? Because I think we should all agree on that. You can, you know, debate me if you want. But I think the real question is, how much money should we be spending on that? And how do we prevent nonsensical research? Like there needs to be some accountability for it, but there also needs to be some freedom to think and explore and do different things. So anyways, that's my book review. That's my discussion here on ethics, morals, and dilemmas. I highly recommend 
uh, you know, Operation Paperclip. If you get a chance, you're looking for something a little lighter to read than a textbook like we typically read on this channel, uh, I would pick up this book, read it. Let me know what you think in the comments below if you have read it. Um, if you're watching this years later and you just finally read it, uh, put your comments below as well. Anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, until next time.